Hello guys, and thank you for listening or watching another episode of Live Free Podcast, where I talk about living a life of freedom, rest, and expansion in Christ Jesus. Have an awesome word today from the Lord. This is a great, great word. Um, I'm going to be teaching on, as you can see from the thumbnail, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And so when I began to ponder on, I was looking at a video and I'm Something resonated in my spirit about how God gave me the revelation of what the kingdom of God is really all about and how it operates and how it functions. So I want to share with you the revelation of the kingdom of God and the most simplistic way that the Holy Spirit has given me into understanding where I came from and how the protocol and how the kingdom of God functions, right? So the Bible says that when Jesus came, he came proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. So let's look at the kingdom of God and let's know, you know, even there's a distinction between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. So God makes these distinctions in scriptures. So we're going to get right into it, guys. So let's first talk about... Um, start here with the revelation and the downloads that God was giving me, the Holy Spirit was giving me in my time, of, you know, quiet time with him regarding the kingdom of God before I get into um, the other meat part of the word. This is vitally important. And the reason why um, this is vitally important to your walk and to your relationship with Christ, because unless you understand how the kingdom of God functions, how the kingdom of God, what it really is, and how it relates to the earth, then sometimes, and I know this is for me, I'll speak for myself, sometimes you have a skewed version, or you're looking at um, Jesus, and you're looking at salvation through a, a skewed lens, not the lens and not the revelation in, the, in which God wants you to look through it, right? So, of course, we have a number of scriptures on the kingdom of God and how Jesus would even tell you how the kingdom of heaven flows and operates and what it is like, right? So in, other, in order to understand a king's ways, you have to understand his kingdom because we know that Jesus is the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords, right? So, but in order to understand, it's not enough to just say to people, um, get saved or repent from your sins or you know, just tell them, oh, you need to come to Christ, you know, because truthfully, if we look at the world, a lot of Christians, and, and I'm, I'm going to reiterate Christians, um, that the Bible never even calls us Christians, but that's a whole nother story, how we have taken the traditions of men and how we had just taken things on, you know, as a title or as a thing. And it was never even written in the Bible, but that's another story. But how we as Christians look like the world. So they don't see really sometimes, you know, with us walking, saying that we're saved. They don't, they don't understand what is the benefit of being saved, right? So today, the Holy Spirit is going to take you on a journey, and I implore you to stay tuned, to, to, to really listen, and really listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying regarding the kingdom of God, because this is going to determine not only how you walk in your authority and your power, but it's also going to determine in how you view Jesus and how you view the, the, the way heaven operates, 
you know, and the more revelation that you have about a thing, the more authority and the more clear things become in terms of what you believe in, right? So you want to be able to speak to someone from not only a position of authority, but you want to speak to someone uh, to give them a revealed knowledge of what you believe in and why you believe in it. So the kingdom of God is a kingdom. And let me just say this to you guys. You first have to come into the knowledge of the fact that God is a king and his kingdom is invisible. He spoke this, you know, when he was questioned, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. And we're going to get into it. And I just want to start off by saying um, what the Holy Spirit gave me in terms of the revelation of the kingdom of God. Okay. So he says, heaven, knowing where you are from and how it functions is key to understanding how to bring what you, what you know to earth to affect change and live your life with purpose. A lot of, a lot of people are living and existing. They're not really living in the fullness of a purpose of who God created them to be. And a lot of times that vision comes from traditions of men that have been passed down that have made the word of God of no effect because we have not taken the time. You know, we have to take the accountability and responsibility for the role we play in things, not just so much as what people do, but what role we play in it. So we have not really sought out or, or tried to pray to God and ask him, Lord, what is this thing really all about? Because I can assure you, when you get real and get bare with Jesus, right? He's gonna show you who he is from a kingdom perspective and not a religious perspective. Because a lot of times we'll grow up in religion and then we'll have this skewed version or we'll look at Jesus through a lens that God never intended for us to look, look at him in, right? So he said he wants to um, give us a key to understanding how to bring what we know to earth to affect change and live your life with purpose. Living a life by design as it was intended to be from the very beginning. Okay, he also says going to he's going to highlight some of the key principles of the kingdom and we're going to define what's the difference first of all between what the kingdom of god is and what the kingdom of heaven is it's really simple and god gave gives me things in a very simplistic way that even a child could understand and I'll, you'll hear me say this time and time again because sometimes we as believers we make things really deep and spooky and spiritual you know, really deep into a point where people don't want nothing to do with it or they can't even understand what we're talking about because we so, we so all the way up there in the clouds to we're no earthly good, right? We're so spiritually minded to we're no earthly good. So he gave it to me in the most simplistic form. So the kingdom of God is what's in you. It's the spirit of God that lives in you. The kingdom of heaven is a place where the Holy One of Israel dwells. So when you hear Jesus make references in the scripture, you'll hear him making the distinct description of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And a lot of times, you know, if you're not paying attention and if you're just reading and you don't really, you're not really understanding what you're reading, you'll, you'll lump it all together. And there is a difference. So the kingdom of heaven is where we have keys and we have access to release the things on heaven and bring it to earth. Whatever you bound in heaven is bound on earth and whatever you loose on heaven is loosed on earth. You see the two distinctions there? So, so because people don't really understand, I think it's, uh, 
And I really think sometimes it's a get out of hell free card, right? Um, a way of escaping hell is the way that they see Jesus and the way that they see salvation. But today, when you walk away from this teaching, you'll be able to have a more revealed knowledge of an authority of, of a, a king, an invisible kingdom, right? And I'm going to be making some correlations with movies here and making some uh, different uh, distinctions. And I'm just going to give it to you the way the Holy Spirit gives it to me because I like things in the most simplistic form, right? That way I can understand it and it's more relatable. So um, this way of thinking, when you're still thinking of it from a religious standpoint, it keeps you in a dead end. It keeps you going in destructive cycles. It keeps you, um, you know, hearing the the teaching the teachings of another Jesus. And I did a teaching on false doctrines and false teachers in the spirit of another Jesus. Because sometimes when you hear people say Jesus, they're not speaking of the Jesus in the Bible. They're speaking of the Jesus from a religious standpoint. And that is not the way God wants his children and his sons and daughters to view him. Because unless you have a, 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 the right vision of who your father is and who Jesus really is and the type of kingdom that you really come from, unless you have that vision, you're going to always walk in, not in the power and the glory which God has created you to walk in miracle signs and wonders. Because the Bible says these signs follow those that believe, right? These signs follow those that believe. He didn't say these signs follow those that are Christians. Take note. So we know that we are born again believers in Christ Jesus. We are joint heirs according to the promise. So some people have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And that's what that scripture talks about. You can have a form of godliness, but there's no power, demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit attached to it. So that's why you see a lot of people, they are part of ministries and a part of churches, but there is nothing happening in the church that would even correlate with what the Bible says we we're supposed to be walking in. So miracle signs and wonders are far and few in between. It is happening in some ministries, but in, in, a, in the majority of the ministries, it's a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Denying the power thereof comes in many shapes and forms and, and sizes. Denying the power thereof could be denying the fact that God even speaks through prophets. Could it be even denying the fact that people can prophesy? Denying the fact that the power of speaking in tongues and what that what that brings to you as a believer, you know, to bring more power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit and more revelation from heaven. Denying the power thereof, you believe in Jesus, but you don't believe he has no power. You believe that Christians, you know, are supposed to be poor, broke, and busted, and disgusted. And that is far a far cry from what the kingdom of God is really all about. Because if you really study out kingdoms, you see this in England. You see this with how the heirs are just grafted in. You know, there's nothing that they have to do to gain or earn, you know, royalty. They're born into it. And this is the revelation that God wants me to reveal today to people. Because sometimes we think, you know, as Christians, you know, or as believers, we think that we're supposed to, it's, it's by works. The Bible says it's not by works lest any man should boast. That means his glory will not go to anyone else. So sometimes because Jesus, the kingdom of God is so simple, we pass it off as not being God because we think we have to do everything by works. And the minute you step over into works, you just cut off the spirit of grace. And actually you're not operating in the kingdom, you're operating in religion.
okay? So the kingdom of God is in, within you. It's the spirit of God within you when you are accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you are born again. You now have the spirit of God that lives in you. So that means the kingdom of God is in you. So that means that everywhere you go, the kingdom of God is present. Because if you walk in a room, the kingdom of God just show up. I tell, say this sometimes. Prophets don't just walk in a the room. They are blown in by the wind of the Lord. Our steps are ordered by the Lord. Okay, so if I'm showing up or if I'm uh, God has called me to a, career, a different, different career or to a house or to a gathering or to... There is the kingdom of God is present because the kingdom of God lives inside of me. So that's why Jesus says the kingdom of God does not come with observation because it's inside of you. You can't look for it because it's inside of you. And the kingdom of heaven is the place where Jesus, God, and the holy angels dwell, right? And the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is within you as well. So this is the way God has revealed to me in the most simplistic way, okay? Think of this how it relates to your house you grew up in or where you were born. Jesus is always our example. And how he came from heaven, was, and he was born in the womb of a woman. Then he came to grow as a child. He worked as a carpenter and lived an everyday life while being fully God and fully human. Why is this important to note? This is very important to note because sometimes we think the supernatural world don't exist because we live in everyday life because God has put us on this earth. But if you can understand that God, Jesus was fully God and fully human and you have, oh, this is the way God gave it to me. Okay. So God showed me everything Jesus did is, is what you see. Jesus is your example, right? So he stepped out of eternity into time right? He came into time, but when he came into time, God took him the way we go, which is through a woman's womb, right? But at the same time, you have to take note of this. She was impregnated by, us, uh, by God, right? Which lets us know that God don't need us for anything. <laughs> he don't need us to create. He don't need us to do anything. This is just the way he designed it to happen, right? So Jesus stepped out of eternity into time. He came through a womb of a woman. He came through that woman. He grew up as a child. You don't see anything or anywhere in the Bible of Jesus accounts other than his birth. And then when he was 12 years old and he was in the temple preaching. And then 33, when he returned 33, um, I'm sorry, from 30 to 33, that's when his ministry started, right? So you, you, it, it's parts of Jesus' life that you don't even, that's, was, that's not even in the Bible. And I know a lot of um, false doctrines, you know, and, and that's taught by demons would like to add the book of Thomas and add the book of, you know, all these different books that's not in the Bible. But my Bible says in the book of Revelations, don't add anything to this word and don't take anything from it. So we want to be very careful in that as well, that when people decide to say, oh, this is the book of, uh, the lost book of Thomas, or this is the lost book, Red flag, stop right in your tracks. Because God says, don't take anything. Those that would add anything to this word or take anything from it will be judged. Be very careful of that because I see people, even in comments on different uh, YouTube channels, they would throw in these, these, <laughs> these, these uh, lost books of the Bible. Be very careful, guys. Very careful. And it'll draw, and, and so many people, where can I find that at? Where you get that from? Oh yeah, now it makes sense. Be very careful. 
There's strong delusion and there's a falling away. Be very careful because the enemy will love nothing more than for you to think you have something that you really don't have because any part of the truth that is skewed or that is a lie is still not God. The Bible says the word of God is infallible, right? So let's go back to the kingdom of God. So the religion versus the kingdom of God. So let's look at this. Let's look at how it was truly meant to be. So religion, um, this is what religion uh, tries to, this is the way you need to see the revelation of the way in which God gave it to me, right? So basically what happened was before Jesus came, in truth, they had, okay, just so you guys know, I'm going to leave the link in the description. Dr. Miles Monroe is called Kingdom Principles. I am extracting things from a PDF, from a book that he wrote called Kingdom Principles, and I'm reducing it all down. And God just said, give them the highlights out of the book. And then with that, you know, he's giving me revelation even as I speak and even as I talk. Okay. So in truth, they had reduced the message of Moses to a sophisticated religion where strict observance of the laws became more important than the original purpose of those laws. And they expected Jesus to do the same. Again, traditions handed down, right? So one thing about us as human beings is when God gives us something, we know that his method may change, but his principles are the same. And sometimes we get caught in a move. We get caught in a, a method versus getting caught in the meat of it or what the revelation of what God is trying to do with it, right? Sometimes we'll get caught. So like when we got the, you know, Ten Commandments, you know, some people it's just hard for them to turn turn off, not the Ten Commandments, because that's still the word of God. I'm not talking about that. But it's hard for them to turn off the old covenant and embrace the new covenant is what I'm trying to say. Then the new covenant, which is the kingdom of God. Okay, because that's when that that what you hear, the kingdom of God, it first shows up in the new covenant. So laws became more important than the original purpose for those laws. And they expected Jesus to do the same. The original intent of God's mandate to Moses was not to establish a religion, but a nation of people who would love, serve and honor God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, according to first Peter two and nine. So let's look at re religion versus the kingdom of God. And this is, I'm telling you guys, this is vitally important because until you get a revelation of where you came from and how it functions in the kingdom protocol, you would never really fully walk in the true knowledge or the fullness of what the kingdom of God is really all about. Because see, religion wants to keep you in bondage. It wants to keep you in work, 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 do, do, do. But God is into grace. He's into love. He's into mercy, right? And it's not a hyper grace message because at the same time, this is not a license to sin because you have grace. Grace is simply God's unmerited favor, but it's also his empowerment to help you walk in the spirit, right? It's the empowerment to help you walk in the spirit. So I know a lot of times, you know, when we, you know, oh, how can I get delivered from this? Or oh, Lord, I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with that. But the thing about what people need to understand about deliverance, deliverance is simply four things. It's a spirit of humility because it takes humility to admit there is a problem, right? Spirit of repentance, because now we need to repent for sinning against ourselves, sinning against God and sinning against people and sinning against his kingdom. So we need humility, we need repentance, we need forgiveness, 
Forgiveness is the big blockage that keeps people from really coming into the full knowledge of the truth. It creates a spirit of blindness. Forgiveness will keep your prayers hindered. And even though you see people prostrated and bent over in a prayer position, doesn't mean that they're getting through. God simply says, you don't forgive others, he don't forgive you. And that has caused a lot of people to end up in hell. You can have a, a, a wonderful personality and, and, and don't forgive a few, few people and still end up in hell and win a major souls for Christ. It's very important that we repent, we be humbled, we admit that there is issues and we forgive. Okay, so forgiveness, repentance, humility, and then we want to walk in God's fullness, fullness. And then we renounce, we renounce any allegiance that we have covenants that we have made with the enemy, any demonic door portals that we have opened. That is the key to deliverance. It all them things hang on deliverance right there. And the more freer you are, the more of the kingdom of God, God reveals to you. The more toxic and the more uh, issues that you that's burden you down and the more yokes that you're carrying, the less, the less revelation you will have, which is why you see a lot of people, you know, they don't really have a clear understanding because the Bible, the Bible says the carnal mind does not understand spiritual things. So the more carnal and worldly you are, the less revelation of the kingdom of God you will have. And so the more things you throw off as God and the Holy Spirit gently takes you through a journey, he takes you through processes and he takes you, because I'm telling you, it's a process, guys. It's an everyday walk. It's an everyday process. And even as I'm, even when I'm watching videos, if God quickened me and the Holy Spirit quickened me about something I'm hearing, I repent right then and I take authority and renounce whatever it is that God is showing me. If God's telling me to get rid of pain, he's telling me to get rid of something that has demonic attachment anything in my home, I do it. Why? Because the more freer you are, the more revelation you have, and the closer you are with the Father. You have to remember that sin cannot stand in the presence of, of the Father, which means that Jesus Christ paid the way, the blood of Jesus, right? Paid the way. But in order for you to walk in complete freedom and to walk in, you have to be willing to renounce, repent, and humble yourself and admit that there's an issue. Because see, like I say all the time, God knows us inside and now he created us. He created us, right? So we're looking at Jesus' example. So Jesus is our example, right? So he came through a woman, through a womb. He had a childhood just like everybody else. And then he preached the gospel and then he was, you know, died, was resurrected. And now he's seated at the right hand of the father. That is the same path we are taking. We come from heaven. We step into time. We come through a womb of a woman. Think about it. And then after we come through the womb of a woman, we get saved. Uh, we go through all these trials and tests. We go through these things that's going to increase our faith and help us. And then we end up right back in heaven from where we came from, right? And throughout that journey, we're, we're pulling other people with us. God is using us to be a blessing to others throughout that journey, just like he did Jesus. So everything that you see Jesus do, this is why I say Jesus should be your model for Christianity and not other people. Don't ever let anybody be your model for, model for Christianity that trumps Jesus. Because Jesus says, follow me. God didn't say follow people. He said, follow Christ because we're flawed people, right? We don't always get it right. And that's okay because the grace of God is there to keep us and to uphold us. And the blood of Jesus qualifies us. It's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves. Nothing we can do in and of This is all by God's grace and his mercy. 
Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. So that means we have a sure thing every single day we wake up. So it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by his spirit, lest any man should boast. So nobody can boast about being good because God says no one is good but him. Jesus said, don't even call him good. He said, call the father good. So that's to let you know, we, 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 you know, the Bible says even our righteous acts is as filthy rags. So that should tell you right there. It's by the grace. It's by the blood of Jesus. And as we begin to have more revelation, we'll begin to walk in more power and more authority. And the more things that you're delivered from and the things that come off of you throughout your process and your journey, and the things that you don't try to hold on to, like unforgiveness, you don't try to hold on to being nasty or, uh, you know, cussing people out. And the things that you recognize the Holy Spirit is highlighting and you are willing to repent. God will come in and he'll deliver you right in right where you are. And this is what I tell people all the time. Deliverance is great. We can lay hands and we can cast out demons. But I'm telling you, the most powerful deliverance, I've been through deliverance training, deliverance myself, but the most powerful deliverance I've ever gotten was me falling on my face and truly repenting with godly sorrow and wanting things gone and off of me. And I don't want to operate in a certain way. I don't want to have negative thoughts. I don't want to have, and then I say I'm a perfect, right? Because we are, we are not perfect people. But when you have a heart, to want to be free. God says, whom the son makes free is free indeed. So you can get delivered right in your bedroom. I got uh, my uh, salvation. I got saved in my bedroom in 2000, right? I got my speaking in tongues in my bedroom, asking God for the gift of speaking in tongues. And when you get the gift of speaking in tongues, you, he gave me two words because when you first start out, your tongues are not flowing like, you know, more mature tongues. It's flowing like, this is helping somebody today. I feel like somebody wants to know how this thing works, you know, and for a new believer, this is really beneficial, right? So when you get saved and you ask God for the gift of speaking in tongues, don't think that your tongues are going to sound like somebody else because they're more mature in the thing. And God says, the more you use it, the more he'll grow it. But if you don't use it, you lose it, Right. So it's like any gift that you get, it has to be sharpened, right? So Jesus is our example. We're going just like in the path he's going. The miracles that he did, he said, even greater works will you do. So see how that, how we are to look at him as our example, right? So the kingdom versus religion. The power of religion lies in its ability to serve as a substitute for the kingdom and thus hinder mankind from pursuing the genuine answer to his dilemma. Religion preoccupies man until he finds the kingdom. It seems clear from these words that religion is one of the greatest obstacles of the kingdom of God. And I keep saying this, religion, the sinners, Jesus did not have a problem with. He healed, set the captives free. It was the Sadducees and the Pharisees. It was them that crucified him, right? That's the direct conflict with the kingdom of God. That's the, that's the real issue. And that's why you will see a lot of, it looked like Christians against Christians, even with this wealth transfer and even with the things that revelation that God would give us. Oh, God, don't do that no more. Oh, God, that's, that's religion talking to you. Religion wants you to stay complacent. It wants you to stay stagnated and it wants you to walk in no power. So the more revelation you have, the more kingdom you have and the more power and authority you walk in. And the more religion you have, God is not in that. So that's why there's no power in that because he's not in it. You can't box him in. 
So religion preoccupies man until he finds the kingdom. So basically, perhaps this may be cause for all of us to take another look at the power of religion over our lives, culture, and society. So let's look at religion. Let's see, let's see, let's, let's see where religion is versus what the kingdom of God is. So here are some things that we look at, right? Religion is what man does until he finds the kingdom. Religion, I know for me, that's how it was. Religion prepares man to leave earth. The kingdom empowers man to dominate the earth. You see the difference? Religion focuses on heaven. The kingdom focuses on earth. Religion is saying in the sweet by and by, we're going to be blessed and God going to give us a mansion in heaven. We dominate earth down here and we say we will see the goodness of the Lord while we're in the land of the living. Now, see how that's in the Bible, but people don't look at it like that because it's a spirit of religion that has to be broken off. And this is going to free some people today. Religion focuses on heaven. The kingdom focuses on the earth. Religion is reaching up to God. The kingdom of the kingdom is God coming down to man. There's a difference. We join heirs with Christ, right? We partner with Jesus, right? It's a difference in the way you look at this stuff. Religion wants to escape earth. Oh, I'm getting out. You know, I, I, God is going to rapture us out of here. You know, um, you know, you always got them rapture videos and that's cool. And God will show you the end times, right? But God wants you to dominate while you're here. It's about what's going on right now, as we used to say in Chicago, right? It's not about where you where you're from, but it's about what's going on right now. You know, people, I'm from so and so. I don't, you know, well, it's about what's happening right now. So this is the way God is having me convey it, guys. So religion wants to escape earth. The kingdom impacts, influences, and changes earth. So we bring change, right? The Holy Spirit is the agent of change. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Wherever you're present, the kingdom of God is just stepped on the scene. So if I walk in the room, the kingdom of God just stepped up, okay? Religion seeks to take earth to heaven, right? Religion, want to, we want to escape. We want, we want to take it out of here. Kingdom seeks to bring heaven to earth. Perhaps this is why Jesus addressed the religious leaders of his day so strongly when he said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over the land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are, according to Matthew 23 and 13 through 15. I love Jesus. Because see, you know, the thing about it is that's why they couldn't take him. They couldn't take Jesus. Because he was, he was direct and in your face. And, you know, some of us, you know, in, in religion, it will have us to have an envision or a picture of Jesus being this wimp who didn't have no money, who was just so, you know, sweet and kind. And he are those things. But there's an authority that comes with a king. And we have to know this. Some, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? You see how, relig how religious people are more interested in breaking a tradition? You'll hear people on the, I even see people on videos. You're not supposed to speak in tongue unless you have an interpreter. You're not supposed to do this. The Bible says you're not supposed to do this. The Bible says you, and it's crazy how speaking in tongues offends some people. You have to wonder about that. 
It offends people. When I hear people praying, my thing is, if you're praying, you're praying to God, right? And the Bible says, and people take the scripture out of context, that in those days, you don't just get up in church and you start speaking in tongues because then it's, it's, it's of no value to the person who's listening because it's not bringing any kind of edification or any kind of revelation. So basically, but if you're praying, and God, the Holy Spirit will sometimes speak through you or when you're, you're given a word, it will speak through you and then it will give you the interpretation of the word. And see, a lot of people don't even realize that. A lot of times when people are talking and the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we speak it in tongues and then he'll give us the rep, the interpretation of it through what in, in English, you know, or whoever, you know, based on who you're speaking to and what language you're speaking in. So some people get offended because of that. So he said, why do your disciples break the traditions of men? And this is the Pharisees and teachers of the law, right? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? So you got some people preaching in the name of God, but against God. He says it right here. They tell me, oh, they don't wash their hands before they eat. They don't do this. They, you, 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 you think about it. We've had those arguments. I know early on and when I first got saved, you had those back and forth with people about crazy stuff that don't even matter. You know what I mean? You don't wash your hands. Okay, I don't wash my hands. That's on me, you know, because I got to put my hands in my mouth. But it says they don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of the God, of God for the sake of your tradition, according to Matthew, Matthew 15, 1 through 3? Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. And this is what he says in Matthew 15 and verse 6. You nullify the word of God. That means the word of God have been made of no effect because of traditions of men. This is very vitally important in how you see the kingdom of God. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5 and 20. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You see the distinction between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is a place. Okay. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. According to Matthew 21 and 3. I'm sorry, Matthew 21 and 31. So he says the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into heaven while y'all standing outside trying to get people to walk the straight and narrow and have people to try to measure up to unrealistic expectations that nobody on earth can reach. And this is why it cancels out what Jesus did on the cross because anytime you try to put works in it, you just canceled out the cross. And the, and the and my Bible says that there's nobody that's going to curve around and go around um, Jesus and get to the Father. He said, no man comes through uh, to the Father except through me. And this is why God will not even allow, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do this? Uh, depart from me, you do work of iniquity. You never really had Jesus. You had works. You had a form of godliness, but there was no, you know, you denied the power thereof. The power thereof is to change your heart. The power thereof is to really walk in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit to cast out devils, to lay his hands on the sick and to, you know, call out those that are in darkness to the light, right? So we need to rediscovering our priority, right? What is the pri priority? The priority is rediscovering the kingdom of God. 
to really know where you're from. The greatest secret to living effectively on earth is to understanding the principle of the power of priorities. This is what he's, he's writing in his book. So then what is the principle and the concept of the priority? Priority is defined as the principal thing. That means first things first. I need to understand what the kingdom of God is all about. That means putting first things first, establishing the most important thing, primary focus, making that the focus. Because again, some people are existing, but they're not really living. And they think they have Jesus and it's another Jesus that they teach. The Jesus that they teach is not the, not the king. It's not the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's not the one who walk in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit, right? If our priorities determine the quality of life and dictate all of our actions and behavior, then it is essential that we understand and identify our priorities. The greatest tragedy in life, and this is a great quote from Dr. Miles Monroe, it says, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without purpose, life with the wrong priorities. Life's greatest challenge is in knowing what to do. The greatest mistake in life is to be busy, but not effective. Let's stop right there because you have Mary and Martha. And when Jesus stopped at their house, right? One was busy while the other sat at his feet. Let me tell you what God told me. One time I was in prayer. He said, the great daughter, the greatest thing the greatest thing you could ever do outside of anything else, outside of going to church, outside of casting devils out of people, outside of anything else that God desires. He desires for your relationship with him outside of everything else. That means it takes precedent over church. It takes precedent over relationships. It takes precedent over careers. It takes precedent over everything in your life. He said, the most important thing that you can do is what you're doing, sitting at my feet. Because unless you sit at the feet of Jesus and you really get an understanding of who he is and what the kingdom of God is all about, then guess what? You are no good for anyone else. You have nothing in you. You're not really filled with anything because all of knowledge, truth, and spiritual revelation and wisdom comes from above. And unless you're sitting with him, you don't have that. So that's the most important thing. So I can't pour into it from an empty cup. I can't run and try to do ministry and I haven't been sitting at the feet of God or I haven't been, you know, listening for him or having a relationship with him and having fellowship and communion with him. So the most important thing you will ever do and the most important decision you will ever make is to make Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you don't know him, you can do that today by simply just saying, Lord, take my life and do something with it. I believe that you are the son of God. I repent for my sins. And I heard some people just say, they just said, Lord, take my life and do something with it. And life was transformed and changed. It's not so much as a, um, you know, this prayer, you got to pray as it is the more important thing, which is the heart. For man, look at the outer appearance, but God, look at the intent and the motive of your heart. And that's, that's what determines everything over even what people see. Because sometimes people are misunderstood, but God knows their hearts. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes it's just about being sincere and, Lord's, and, and the Lord hears that. And he knows and he meets you right where you are. You don't have to look like everybody else. So failure to establish correct priority causes you to waste your two most important commodities, is what he's saying. Your time and your energy. When your priorities are not correct, you will find yourself busy with the wrong things, majoring on the minor, doing the unnecessary or becoming preoccupied with the unimportant. Incorrect priorities, 
in your life will cause you to invest in the less valuable, engage in an ineffective activity and abuse your gifts and talents. Ultimately, it will cause you to forfeit purpose, which results in failure. This is powerful. So until you make the kingdom of God first thing first, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So we're seeking him first, the seeking the kingdom, the kingdom. What is it all about? I'm glad you asked. So the priority is God, right? God established his priority at the beginning of creation and made it clear by his own declaration to mankind. Jesus Christ came to the earth and reestablish God's number one priority. Should it surprise us to discover that God's priority for mankind is completely opposite to man's priorities? Let us read God's priority for mankind as stated by the Lord Jesus. During his first discourse, right? Introducing his mission and primary message, Jesus established God's priority for all mankind with several powerful and straightforward statements. He said, therefore, I tell you, according to Matthew 6, he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink and about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes, right? Notice that this statement directly challenges, right, God, right, guys, heresy, hierarchy of needs and contradicts his order. Jesus' statement also exposes man's defective priority and confirms our preoccupation with things that don't even, that's not even important. So he says, seeking the kingdom first. So let's get down to it, right? Let's get down to it. Let's talk about the 14 characteristics of a king. And I tell people this, if you haven't seen the movie, right? If you have not seen the movie, guys, one Night with the King, it's on It's on YouTube. I'm going to put the link in the description because it's on YouTube for free. You can watch it for free. And another movie is First Night with Sean Connery and Richard Gere. It's amazing. These two movies I love because it depicts how kingdoms work. And not only depicts, but the One Night with the King is the story of Queen Esther. Awesome movie. Awesome love story with her and the king, right? And I believe the king was a representation of Christ, Christ Jesus the king, and she was the bride of Christ. But those two movies, I'm going to put the link in the description and list the other one. First Night is called First Night. And it's a old, these are older movies that was, uh, done, you know, done years ago. But I think these movies depict on how kingdoms work and how protocol operates. You have to understand in the kingdom of God, there's protocol. There's protocol, there's there's rankings. You know what I mean? When you think of a king, you think of a kingdom, right? So let's look at the 14 characteristics that clarify that extinction, right? Number one, a king is never voted into power. Understand that. His power is inherited from birth. Think about Jesus. He's a king inherited from birth because he came from royalty, right? He stepped into eternity, he stepped into time. And number two, a king is king by birthright. Okay, we see this even in the England, the, the England, how the, the son is now, you know, he's now the king and, you know, his son is the, the princes and the sons and the kings and all that good jazz, right? Number three, a king cannot be voted out of power, you know, and that's because of the kingdom is by his birth, a king rules for life. A president is voted out of office or departs due to term limits. A dictator may be brought down by a coup and a popular or uprising. Kingship, however, is a lifelong office. You got to know your position. This is, this is going to help you understand how to move and function in the kingdom of God, guys. And I know this is a long video, but unless you have a revelation, revelation always precedes manifestation. 
It always precedes manifestation. But if you continue to look at it through the lens of religion, you're not looking at who God really is. You're, you're looking at another Jesus that people are teaching. It's not the Jesus of the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And until you understand him, then you will understand your role as how you walk because he's the King of Kings. That means he's a King of Kings. That's us. He's the Lord of Lords. That's us. Number four, a king authority is absolute. That is why he is not a president or a prime minister. Presidents must consult Congress and prime minister's parliament. If the prime minister, you know, makes a decision, the Senate, the Senate can discuss it. The parliament may attack it. The media may mutilate it and he may change his mind. Dictators, on the other hand, while perhaps exercising absolute power for a time, possess no legitimate authority. This is why they must use force and re uh, reprision to stay in power. But the king speaks. He speaks with absolute authority, authority that inherits of his kingship. Number five, a king word is law. Because king's authority is absolute, his word is law. No one can counter man his orders, negate his pronouncements, set aside his decrees or amend his statutes. And you see this even in the book of Daniel, where Daniel was thrown into the lion's den and the Bible says the angel of the Lord came and shut the mouth of a lion. And the reason why I say Daniel is because the king issued a decree and the people knew they were trying to trap Daniel that if the king issued a decree, it cannot be overturned and it cannot be changed. What is our decree? It's the word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word stands forever. You see the correlation with that? So if the king issues a decree, guys, it cannot be overtaken or overturned. This is why it's vitally important that we follow the scriptures, right? And that we do according to the word of the Lord and that vengeance is God's and that we have to do things in that order. Why is that? Because God is not going to go back on his word, which means that if you're not following his word, it gives the enemy a legal right to come in and to wreak havoc in your life. He has a legal right to come in and do that. Why? Why? Because the king has issued a decree. The decree is the word of God. He's not going to go back on his word. He says that time and time again, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word stands forever. So when the king issues a decree, he can't go back on it. As much as he loved Daniel, as much as the king loved Daniel, think about this. And this was a correlation between how it works with us and God. As much as that king loved Daniel, and you know how much he loved Daniel, because he issued a decree, he can go back on it. So he had to send him in there anyway. Same thing for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went into the fiery furnace for the same reasons, because they will not bow down, right? Because they knew that that the king issues a decree, you can't, you can't, it can't be overturned. Pay attention to this because God's word is going to go forth with or without us. It's not going to ever be overturned, okay? Because he is the judge, he is the righteous judge. Number six, a king personally owns everything in his domain. Presidents and other elected leaders do not own their countries. They are citizens like everyone else. Dictators often act as though they are own everything, right? And then it says, you know, if the king owns everything, God says the silver and gold is mine. The cattle, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. You hear this time and time again about God telling you he owns all. He created heaven and earth, right? Everything is his. The earth is the Lord in the fullness thereof and those that dwell and those, which is us, that dwell therein. Did you know you was created for God's personal pleasure? Did you know that you came from heaven and you entered into time? 
Did you know you was did, did you existed before you got here? Because why? God's spirit is eternal. It's eternal. Okay, let's keep going. I hope you guys are getting something out of this. Number seven, a king's decree is unchanging. We talked about that. And a king, and number eight, a king chooses who he who will be a citizen. Look at this, guys. The king chooses who will be a citizen. You might say, well, where is that in the Bible? Let me just start with the word citizen first. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God, right? In the Bible, it says the king chooses who he will be a citizen. No man can come unless I draw them by my spirit. So you think you're saved because you came and you surrendered to God, right? But the Bible says no man can come unless he draw them. You see the revelation behind this? You think, okay, yeah, you came when God draws you by his spirit. It's not forced and he don't override your will because that's witchcraft and manipulation. So he doesn't do that. There are no slaves in the kingdom of God, even angels. The angels have a choice if they want to serve God. Think about it. He shows you that when the third of the angels fail. Everything, there's a choice, but he draws you by his spirit. You make up in your mind that you're going to proceed. So let's not get that twisted. This is not manipulation and this is not force because love doesn't force you. No one who you in a relationship ship with, you should want to be in a relationship with if it's forced, right? And the same thing with God. He doesn't force anything. He said, with love and kindness do I draw thee. And no man can come unless I draw them. So a king chooses. All are called, but few are chosen. You see how a king chooses who he will who will be a citizen? All are called, but few are chosen. Why? Because only a few answer the call when they're drawn by his spirit. So well, number nine, a king embodies the government of the kingdom. This means that wherever the king is, the entire government is present. Wherever a king speaks, his whole government is speaking. Whenever a king moves, the government moves with him because he embodies the government. It's so much that was said right there. This means wherever a king is, his entire government is present. That, what did I just say? Because the kingdom of God is on the inside of you. Wherever you go, the kingdom of God is present. He will give his angels charge over you. They are part of his government. So now they're following you. Goodness and mercy. Angels, wisdom and wealth. They travel together. Those angels travel together. They call wisdom and wealth. Wisdom and wealth. All of the angel armies, guardian angels that are assigned to you from birth, right? So this means that wherever the king is, his entire government is present. And if he's on the inside of you, when you step into a room, the kingdom of God has just stepped up. The power and authority goes with you, right? When president, let's say, let's see, let me get to, because I know this is a long video. Number 10, a king's presence is the presence of authority. When a king shows up, his full authority is present. His authority does not reside in a place or in a document. It resides in him personally. This is why citizens of the kingdom of God colony on earth can act with kingly authority because the king is present. His authority is present also. It was this present authority that Jesus had in mind when he said, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven according to Matthew 18 and 18. So just know that wherever you are, the authority of God is present because he has given you keys to the kingdom to bind, to loose, okay? 
Number 11, a king's wealth is measured by his property. The larger and richer in resources of a kingdom is, the wealthier the king, because the king owns everything in his kingdom. Okay? Number 12, a king's prosperity is measured by the st status of, of his citizens. If the citizens are poor, the king is seen as a poor king. So we are a direct reflecting representation of God. This is why, this is why God wants us wealthy, right? This is not about prosperity gospel. This is about reflecting the kingdom of God. A king's prosperity is measured by the status of his citizens. If the citizens are poor, then the king is seen as a poor king. Good example. If Jesus had a came and he was broke and didn't have anything, it would have been a whole different way that people would have looked at him. But because he can speak things into existence, go get the coin out of the fish of a, uh, the mouth of a fish, right? He can speak his, pay his taxes by just speaking it, right? The authority of God came with him when he came from uh, the kingdom of heaven into time, right? A king's name is the essence of his authority. A king can delegate authority to anyone he pleases to act in his name on his behalf. He has delegated authority. God anoints who he wants. I said this in another video. God anoints who he wants to use. If he wants to use a donkey, he can use a donkey. But you have to understand kingdom protocol, right? You have to understand how this stuff works. A king's citizen represents his glory, right? A any Contentious king wants his citizens to be happy, prosperous, and content because their status and quality of life reflect him. The ministries that you have reflect Christ. This is why God wants us prosperous. This is why he wants us healthy. This is why he wants us walking in dominion, power, and authority because this is a direct reflection of who he is. He said, for my name's sake. For his namesake, his, re his reputation. This is why I tell people, put the responsibility back on Jesus. If Jesus has called you to something, he will provide it for you. It's his responsibility and his in ministry. The minute we think we're responsible for it, then, we, then that's, why, that's where the lack come in. The lack of knowledge and the lack of resources. But the minute we put the responsibility back where it belongs, now it's God's responsibility to show up and for you to walk in the fullness of who he is, right? So these are so, it's so many different things that I can talk about as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. We have principle of the keys, the knowledge that leads to understanding. You know, once you know the principles behind keys, the keys of the kingdom, we can understand how they work in the kingdom. There are several principles that define pro properties of keys, right? So we know that God has given us the keys to the kingdom. What are the keys? The keys to represent authority. And let me go back to the citizenship thing. I tell people this all the time. The most simplistic way to look at a citizen of being a citizen of the, of the kingdom, think about being a citizen of the U United States or the citizen of Spain or a citizen of whatever country that you're from, right? Whatever country you're from. Citizens, you know, they have um, access, right, to all different things because they are a citizen of the kingdom. Think about speaking in tongues. If you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, every every country that people are from, they have their own language. So why is it any different for the kingdom of heaven? We have the gift of speaking in tongues. 
This is why I tell people, this is how simplistic God is. But we look at it like, oh, they don't speak in tongues no more. Where if you're not a citizen of the kingdom, then you probably don't speak in tongues. But if you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, not saying you need that to be saved, so don't get it twisted. But I'm saying that every country, if you're from Spain, you speak in Spanish, right? You're from England, you speak English. So you speak in all these different language and cultures, I have the, wherever you're from, you'll see their culture, you'll see their language, you'll see a representation. It should kind of mirror where somebody is from, right? So I tell people, if you speak in tongues, that's a part of being a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's a part of it. We have our own heavenly language, right? It's so simple, guys. Don't make it more complicated than it has to be. But you have to look at it through the lens of the kingdom and the lens of revelation that God gives it to us. Not the way we think it should look. Not the way we think it's interpreted. It's only one truth, I tell people. Right? We have our opinions, but there's only one truth. The keys represent access. A key gives you instant access to everything the key opens. The secret is in knowing what the key opens. The kingdom of the keys of the kingdom of heaven gives us immediate access to all the resources of heaven, but we have to know how to use them. So often we limit ourselves by trusting or believing only in what we can see with our eyes or reason without with our minds. A kingdom mindset completely changes our perspective. So you see that even when Elijah's uh, servant said, oh Lord, what should we do? The servant asks, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and, oh Lord, open the eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So there was a bigger picture behind the scene, which I tell people heaven is more real than earth. Everything you see on earth is a direct replica of heaven. We have courtrooms. We have courtrooms in heaven. I did series teaching on the courts of heaven. It's amazing. If you are struggling with any kind of court case or if you're dealing with any kind of issues regarding courts, go to my teachings on the, the courts of heaven because there's a judge that overrides all authority. And even though we think the Supreme Court in the United States is the highest rule of authority, there's a, there's a rule of authority that supersedes that. And I'm here to tell you this, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, where you can take your petitions People don't know this. You can take a petition to God and God's uh, divine authority will overrule things in the natural and you will see your breakthrough in the natural by taking it to our daddy God, taking it to he's the judge, right? Going to him. You can write a petition. Did you know you can put a divine restraining order on the enemy? It works just like in the natural. You know how you put a restraining order on people? You can put a divine restraining order on the enemy. <laughs> It's so many things to the kingdom of God. It's so many resources. I did teachings on this. If you want to go to the courts of heaven, it'll teach you how to pray and how to bring things before the courts of heaven to get your release and get your breakthrough, no matter what the court is saying down here. Because whatever happens in the spirit up there, it's going to trickle down here. And people have gotten breakthroughs. People have gotten breakthroughs. Okay? So even though things may look crazy down here, Take it to the highest court of the land, which is the kingdom of God, and let daddy God do the judging on, on your behalf and see the miracle signs and wonders. That's a part of having the key to the kingdom. That's one of the keys. It's a lot of them, but that's one of the uh, uh, weapons of war, right? And we can take things to the courts of heaven and it supersedes and it overrides all authority. Okay. So 
you got the keys that represent ownership. You know, you got the keys that represent control. If you possess the key to something, you control it. You control when it opens, you control when it closes, and who gets access to it. A key helps you control time. In other words, you decide whether you open it up at 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, or 6 o'clock, or whenever. This gives you control. Yes. So then you have the keys that represent author, author, authorization. This is similar to number one, which is uh, which is what I stated. Authorization means to be given authority to act in a name or instead of whoever gave you authority. The boss authorized me to do this. Possession of keys mean that you are authorized to act in the name and authority of the one who owns the keys. By giving us the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus gives us the authority to influence heaven. He has authorized us to act in his name and on his authority to re request whatever we wish. Ask whatever you will in my name and it shall be given. And I'm going to shorten this because this has become a long video. Number six, the keys represent power. <clears throat> Whoever gives you the keys gives you the power at the same time. This is similar to control, right? The keys represents freedom, right? When you have keys, you are free to go in and out. You are free to lock and unlock, to open and close. So you kind of get the message here, right? So, so this is directly related to the concept of stewardship, right? So we're stewarding the keys that God has given us, right? So just know, guys, that this, this, this link is going to be in the description, right? But what I want you to know, um, there's so many facets and, and, and th different things that the kingdom of God represents and so many keys and so many ac access and entry points that God would give us, you know, our weapons of our warfare, Lord, to defend. <clears throat> to defeat the enemy, right? He will give us all these different accesses, but until you access the kingdom, and if you're in religion and you're not accessing the kingdom, then you're having a form of godliness, but you're denying the power thereof. So I just wanted to teach this um, teaching on the kingdom of God, you know, and just to know that you have to look at things from a kingdom perspective and not a religious perspective. And you have to know whose you are and who, what you walk in. You know, you're seated in heavenly places right, right now. I always say that you're pr praying from a place from victory. You're not praying to get to victory. When we pray, we pray from an elevated level which means we pray kind of differently. We don't pray, Lord, please. No, we're praying and we're commanding, right? We, the Bible says that the angels of the Lord hearken to the word of the Lord, right? So that means that when you're speaking the word of God, right, that two-edged sword, right? When you're speaking that word out and you decree and declare his promises, the angels are hearkening to the word of the Lord. They don't hearken to your word or my word. They hearken to the word of the Lord. So that's why when you put your angels to flight, you put them to flight using the word of God. Right. So all of the promises that God has spoken over you prophetically, you decree and declare that the angels will bring those words to pass. And I might be doing a teaching on that as well. We'll see how the Holy Spirit leads. Right. Because there's so much more to angels. There's so much more to the access that we have for kingdom purposes. And so I'm going to end the teaching with that, guys. I hope this was a blessing to you guys. Again, the link is going to be in the description for the movie, for the um, the PDF that I'm using to teach out of. Dr. Miles Monroe is amazing. He um, unfortunately passed away years ago, but his teachings are amazing. When it comes to the kingdom, I've read many books on the kingdom of God, but this 
the way he teaches the kingdom of God, it opens your eyes to see what the spirit of the Lord really is saying and how we are to really live in this earth and what authority we are to really walk in and dominion. And God has called us to bring heaven to earth. That's what this is all about. He's called for us to partner with the angelic and to partner with him to bring heaven to earth so that God can be glorified and so his purpose and his plans will prevail in the name of Jesus. And I hope you were blessed because I was blessed even studying out this word Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Again, thank you so much for subscribing to the channel. There is more to come. Stay tuned for the next episode will be Kingdom Business. And I'm going to be incorporating that with, the, with also these teachings, right? So we're going to be learning how to, uh, as it relates to real estate, finance, and um, interior design, we're going to be learning the investing in real estate and how all these things play a part in the kingdom of God. For God has called us to do mighty exploits in his name. And we know that uh, a form of freedom, I should say, is having great credit, is having things in line and in order, because we know that the kingdom of God is a orderly kingdom. That there's ranking, right? Angels, ranks. We have archangels. We have seraphims. We have an order. That's like you have generals and commanders. Everything you see on earth is a replica of heaven and the way God operates. So until next God, time, guys, I will see you in the next video. I know this was a long one. Thank you for hanging in there with me. I implore you to click the link in the description because all of the resources will be there. Until then, I'll see you in the next video, guys. Be blessed. I love you.